the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Hello, listeners. I am Lindsay G. And I'm Lenny Peppers. And this is Ourgasm, the podcast where we talk about decolonizing sexuality. Uh, I'm super excited about the next two episodes uh, because we will be talking about political sex scandals. This is our first two-parter. Yeah, Pretty ever. exciting. And political sex scandals are exciting stuff. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and so, yeah, let's start talking about political sex scandals. All right, here we go. So this felt uh, pretty pertinent since politics in the United States has been a very big deal for the past, I mean, four years, <laughs> but particularly like over the past month, um, we just went through the election um, and we're still kind of going through the election uh, for president because the, the results are somehow kind of being contested, even though they do not appear to actually be contestable. Um, yeah. But I mean, so there's like zero out of 26 okay like so far yeah that's the score zero 26 to zero <laughs> yeah but apparently we're we're, we're still contesting um something yeah. <laughs> might change i don't know um but you know suffice it to say politics has been on our minds so we thought well how can we talk about you know sexuality and decolonizing sex in politics and we thought, well, let's just air everybody's dirty laundry. Let's talk about sex scandals. Yeah. So uh, my my main question to start this off um, is like, this is a question that comes to me every single time there's a big deal sex scandal. And the question is, why do we care? Um, for the most part, sex scandals in politics are not that interesting. Like, I feel like the majority of the time it's like so-and-so is having an affair with a member of their staff. Whoop-de-doo. Like, sure, that's bad behavior, but it kind of baffles me as to why it's such a big deal every time it happens, because it happens so often. Yeah, I, I don't think, like, for me, it's a question of why do we care, but who is caring? And why is that person caring? Hmm. Um, or like, why is that group of people caring? Because it's become extremely like evident to me lately that, um, okay, so throughout my entire life, I've watched like all of these sex scandals unfold. Like I was, I remember the whole Clinton thing. Yeah. I remember like just all kinds of different political sex scandals, but I didn't really care uh, yeah. until I became an adult and I started being interested in like, what was the moral character of the person that I was going to vote for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in the last four years, it's become extremely evident to me that that doesn't really matter to a lot of people based on <laughs> the really terrible, like, things that certain people have done that the, people the poor decision making entirely. yeah um I mean there's actual like people in congress right now who have like rape cases like mm -hmm. and things like that and clearly they still get elected and so who is caring are they the people who should be caring you know these are like the questions that I'm worried like that, that keep me awake at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point. You know, like I, I guess when I was growing up, I also remember the Clinton scandals um, and a few scandals like here and there, you know, before and after that one, but that stands out the most in my mind, because that's the first time that I remember really being aware of what was going on and also actually being kind of scandalized by it. Um, Cause like, you know, we got a lot of details about what was going on in the Oval Office there. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> that's some freaky shit. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, 
and I was young. So to me, it was very titillating, you know, like I was like, Ooh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you never get to hear about. Um, but I remember, you know, like the country was generally scandalized because oh, yeah. of this titillating behavior that was going on. And much less so because Clinton lied about his behavior while he was testifying. It was like, yeah. sure, that's what they impeached him on, but... <laughs> Are we aging ourselves here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the thing, though, is, is, like, that wasn't even the first time that, like, it... Like, that I became aware of it because in every single, like, power bubble, there is, like, scandal... And so I saw it on like the tribal um, government level as well, like very, very often throughout like growing up. Yeah, I feel like, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe it's because I hear most, most of my tribal politics news coming from you. Um, (laughs) And you're a politically involved person. Um, (laughs) But like, I do feel like within tribal communities, they're there's like a little bit more, um, I don't know, just like activity around politics um, because you have, you know, like every small town has like a mayor or whatever, but yeah. I grew up in a small town and I never remember hearing anything about the mayoral race. Like I didn't, I didn't know about any of that. And my parents were pretty involved in politics too. Um, but it just wasn't like a big deal. But I do feel like at the tribal level, I tend to hear a lot more, like it just seems like people are more involved. Yeah, I mean, we're involved on politics, like we're voting for who is going to be on our school council, we're voting who's going to be on the tribal council, all the way up the chain to the president. And so there's like several levels of, we're voting for the tribal judge, you know, there's so many levels of um, government that we're voting for, that you're pretty much taught to like, kind of be aware from a young age if you're in a family that's, I mean, just really just to be aware from a young age, it doesn't matter what family you're from. Hmm. I was going to say a a family that was politically involved, but my family wasn't really very politically involved either. It was just like, what you do. Huh. Like you can physically see what these leaders are doing uh, for you in your life, but also there were so many sex scandals, like all the time. <laughs> oh man. So that was like, I don't know. I guess you probably remember or were at least exposed to a lot more younger than I was. Cause I really don't remember much before Clinton. Yeah. But Clinton was the big national one for me. Right. Um, the thing that bothered me the most was the way that uh Monica was treated and is still treated to this day and Mm -hmm. she's like a kid you know yeah yeah and it's it's been really a shame to watch the way that like she has worked her ass off to become more than the intern who was caught fucking around with the president but she's still always going to be remembered as just that um yeah especially because like you don't get to be a White House intern or at least you didn't in days of yore. probably with this administration, it's a little different. You don't necessarily get to be a White House intern by not working really hard for it. Like she was a smart up and coming, like a go-getter to get that position in the first place. And then what happened turned her into just like the byproduct of Bill Clinton's, you know, philandering. Um, when she clearly had so much more to offer and she has gone on to have like, you know, lots of success in a lot of ways, but people don't know about that. And that, that's a real shame. Yeah. Well, not only that, but the amount of positive work that she's done to like turn like other people's lives around, like the advocacy work that she's done. Yeah. And I see that a lot, like with uh, women who have been like, part of sex scandals where you can kind of see the character you can see like they like often turn around and are like oh my god this is terrible I have to stop this from happening to other people Mm -hmm. and then start working to like make that change Um, right yeah and that's I mean (laughs) like 
courageous isn't even the right word. You know, if if you are basically going up against a man in a position of power in politics, um, it is it is a given that your name is going to be dragged through the mud and you are going to always be remembered as that man's side piece or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, A weird sense of ownership. Like mm -hmm. what kind of like weird patriarchy makes, makes it so that you're forever like that, that man's mistress or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, one that's based on chattel slavery, which is <laughs> more or less what I would argue the uh, patriarchal colonial forces of the world have done to women. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, like, I've, I, this doesn't have anything to do with political sex scandals, but it's forefront in my mind right now because I was listening to a podcast about it fairly recently. Um, Lorena Bobbitt. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was thinking about Lorena Bobbitt too. Just <laughs> right? Like that woman became famous for like probably the lowest moment of her life and something that she did out of fear and desperation and like, you know, just feeling completely backed into a corner. Like she had no mm-hmm. other choices. And since then she's gone on to do so much good work for so many people and like be such a positive mm-hmm. force in the world. And yet we think of her as, you know, the woman who got off her husband's dick. And then we think of her husband and he has been out there this whole time, like being just like the grossest D-list yeah. celebrity that you can possibly yes. imagine. And yet we still think of her tied to him. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it is super gross and I don't agree with it. So everybody, everybody who's listening, go look up Monica Lewinsky and find out what she's been up to and like support her in any way you can. And do the same for Lorena Bobbitt, by the way, because she's a badass. Yeah. They're both badasses. Um, I wonder if we've ever been a part of a sex scandal. Hmm. You think we've scandalized anyone? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's very possible, even likely, that we have scandalized people. Hmm. Uh, Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, there was one time uh, I went to a Christmas party um, for one of my kids' schools. And I remember, like, leaving the Christmas party, and I was walking with my husband and my kids, and somebody said she's cheating on her husband with a woman like, <laughs> yeah, like to some other woman like they were standing outside smoking cigarette or something and I was like huh <laughs> okay oh my god wow and yeah, that was so- pretty much like when I started including like being Polly in my comedy set where I'm like no <laughs> Everybody knows what's going on. Everything's <laughs> it's all okay. above board, folks. Yeah. Well, that's actually... more boring than you think it is. <laughs> no, it's not. We're I totally mean... being so scandalous right now at this moment. <laughs> Look how I sexy mean... we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In our glasses and our sweaters. Yeah. Hey, this is hounds too. Yeah, actually, you look you look pretty nice. <laughs> I thought maybe I would dress up for this, but it didn't happen. It was a long day. I put a bra on. I, mean, I put a necklace a on. Here. I don't have a bra on, but I am wearing a necklace. So <laughs> I feel like I've accomplished something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Wait. so that actually brings me to like something that I wanted to talk about a little bit, which is like you and I dating while you are simultaneously married with children. Some people consider that a scandal. Uh, I mean, it could be. I mean, I guess it just depends on who cares enough to consider it a scandal. Right. Well, and it also also depends on what you consider normal, you know, like what you consider normal behavior as opposed to bad behavior. Um, And I, as I was researching political sex scandals for this episode, I was like basically realizing the fact that I don't know, probably at least 75% of the scandals that I was looking at were like some dude, it's always a dude, in a position of power 
having an affair often with a member of his staff, but sometimes it's just with like, you know, somebody else's wife or somebody who's not even somebody's wife, like whatever, but it becomes scandalous when people find out about it. And then sometimes that person is forced to resign or sometimes it just makes headlines for a while and he apologizes and goes to like, you know, sex therapy or whatever, and then it's all forgotten. But I'm looking at it, I was basically realizing like a lot of this is really not particularly scandalous behavior. Mm -hmm. It's mostly just different from the social and societal expectations that we put on people that we elect. And that comes back obviously around to Donald Trump and how he has absolutely flouted all of those norms that used to be cause for a scandal if you broke them. Um, But I was, I was just like, I was trying to keep track of the scandals that I was reading about and which ones were scandalous because someone was actually being hurt or mm-hmm. defrauded or stolen from and which ones were just scandals because we wanted to find out what people are doing like behind closed doors when they're in positions of power. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with that, but I think it's interesting to like, to kind of track the ways that we're expected to behave sexually in our culture and then see what happens when people don't, I guess. My research kind of focused on ancient sex scandals mm-hmm. where we've had like hundreds of years to look back on them and be like, oh, well, that's not particularly interesting. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was watching The Crown and yeah, like they have mistresses, blah, blah, blah. But even, like, at one point, the queen, like, in in the film, or in this TV series, obviously, I don't know the queen in real life, but... <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah. She would be a great guest. I know, right? <laughs> in the in the series, she's just like, yeah, well, don't, don't forget you cheated on me, like, basically. It's, like, kind of just brushed it off. Oh, so, I mean, even, like, it's not even, like, a secret that, like men in certain power positions are having like affairs it's just not that interesting uh but Mm -hmm. like the stuff that I looked up was like legit scandalous because we've had so much longer (laughs) to look at it that Uh, that really is interesting there was a lot a lot of Caligula yeah I don't know if the film Caligula is based on reality in any way but let me tell you that is a scandalous film i don't know if you've ever seen it it's it's just like sex there's just sex all the time it's intense uh and then quite a bit of nero Mm -hmm. i Um, read one time a long time ago that nero used to pay well maybe i guess he didn't pay them he used to make slave boys swim around in his like mother of pearl lined pool and nibble on him as if they were minnows like, ew. <laughs> I can't read that one. I don't know if it was true. It was in like a it book of like so weird facts. Weird. <laughs> I know, right? See that. Like that's the kind of stuff I want to hear about that's happening in the world right now. Oh, I don't, I I don't. But I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, mean, I- like, but the women's stuff that I noticed, like the stuff from history that involved women, wasn't really as much scandalous as it was like, this woman had beef with this other woman. And it's still like just, or like this woman had a love child, mm. you know, with a, with another person, like Cleopatra and Caesar. Right. Um, yeah, I even yeah. heard of a love child that Princess Diana had. That was not hers, but that was like made from an egg that was stolen and implanted in another one. I don't know. There's like a whole weird. What? Yeah. So like, that's pretty much like what it was. That's what I know about it is that they had done fertility tests. This isn't a real thing. This is like (laughs) what I read somewhere. This is most likely not even true. Uh, but like she was test like her they tested her fertility before she was married to Charles 
And then uh, the doctor who tested her fertility took one of her eggs and implanted it in his own wife. And his wife had her and named her Sarah. And she supposedly looks exactly like Diana. And it was in tabloids and stuff. Well, that's an awesome story. I hope it's true. But it's I, probably not. Yeah, it's most likely <laughs> not. Um, but like, yeah, most of the stuff was like just these two women have be- had beef with each other or, you know. Huh. These two women did something notable. <laughs> That's yeah. the scandal. <laughs> yeah, or or just like cheating stuff. Like just, it's so scandalous now, like hundreds of years later that this woman cheated on this man. But like, that's just a normal scandal today. <laughs> it's not like- yeah. Kelly Gilla going to a wedding and leaving with the bride. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, she just cheated. Okay, well, then I guess that wouldn't be a huge problem if polyamory were like more accepted in right. <laughs> the world. Yeah. Well, and I mean, really, I think my, my crackpot theory about a lot of this is that, you know, we... Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go real meta here for a second, but like, um, you know, we are expected to behave in certain ways when it comes to our sexuality, <clears throat> particularly as women, but you know, everyone in the society is expected to act in certain ways based on your gender, your class, your income, and so on. Um, and I think that's very much, you know, it's a means of control. If we are all expected to be monogamous, to be married, to be parents, and to do each of these things in specific ways, then, you know, we're easy to put inside of the little box that we fit in and be written off and taxed appropriately. Um, And so any deviation from those norms that fit us neatly into those boxes is, is obviously discouraged but when I think when people are in positions of power, the power gives them the opportunity to circumvent those norms to a certain degree because you know you're kind of entitled to get away with more when you're in a position of power. But at the same time, when you get found out, it's a bigger deal. And people want to know what's going on in the lives of the rich and famous because it sounds more exciting. Yeah. than the lives that the rest of us lead, even though probably in most cases, it's not really that much more exciting because as private individuals, we actually can get away with a lot more because nobody's watching us. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Some of these like scandals that I've read that happen now, uh, if the person was not like a person in power, if the person was say like a janitor, Mm-hmm. then it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. It, like it's, but I mean, that's part of the thing too, is like the reason why it's dangerous for people in power to abuse that power by getting women to sleep with them or getting other, you know, cheating on their spouses and stuff and like just thinking it's okay until they get caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's kind of like this messed up. I mean, it's an abuse of power for sure. Yeah. I think that's where part of the problem is when people are like, oh, well, this is kind of, this is really bad. Like the president sleeping with an intern, that is a clear abuse of power. Right. Right. And I think like things start to get really murky when you start to look at abuses of power as violations of consent. Um, And I feel like that's where, (laughs) unfortunately, a lot of like the Me Too movement and just kind of charges of sexual misconduct in general get bogged down um, because we don't have a very strong language around what is bad about abusing your power to get somebody to sleep with you. And I think that is because it has been established as so normal for men in positions of power to get sexual favors from people who work for them or are just generally less powerful. So like now that 
we have reached a point culturally where we're starting to be like, hey, that's not okay. You shouldn't do that. We don't really have a way to talk about it yet because it's just been part of being a dude with any power for a really long time is that that's part of the package is getting sexual favors from people. Yeah, and it's part of being a woman who's climbing up the chain to maybe, you know, have your trust abused in many ways and be taken advantage of. Yeah. And so it's like, I think we we're in a process right now of like culturally trying to reframe those dynamics as like, hey, not a good thing. Let's not do that anymore, people. But it's like we really do have to relearn the situation. And because yeah. it's I mean, it's obviously been so rampant. Like um, I was reading about a lot of sex scandals going back to like more or less like the 80s. And it's almost always, you know, this senator, this congressman, Mm -hmm. this, you know, mayor or governor or whatever, having sex with someone who works for them. And that there's clearly a power differential there. (laughs) This is clearly, it would be really difficult for this to be um, a completely consensual, like even relationship. Um, It's just, it's just how we do. Well, there was that one that happened here in Montana and it's, it's amazing to me, like, the levels of abuse that happened in this. Uh, but in this specific one, um, there were cops that were caught having sex with the secretary hmm. um, on shift, while well, they were supposed to be on shift. Wow. And... When the story came out, they released the 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 secretary's name. The the police department released her name. Oh my god! Used to release the names of the cops. Oh my god! And so there's like a whole nother level of abuse there by like the police, de- like the police department, like defending their own while at the same time releasing her name, and so that she would get abused by like the public. Her name was put in the media. Her name was on TV. And then uh, it was another journalist here in Montana who was like, tell us their names because this is not cool. Does nobody see how not cool this is? Right. That's awful. Like, as a secretary in a police station, you are not a public figure. There is right. no, you, you have every right to expect mm-hmm. that your privacy be upheld. Right. As a police officer, you are a public figure. You're yeah. <laughs> like, they have much less of an expectation of privacy when they fuck up or they should, but that's right. okay. Uh, but in addition to that, they are in a position of power mm-hmm. where they're expected to uphold a certain level of morality Right. And so when the taxpayers are paying you to be on shift, clearly yeah. you're not meant to giving it to the secretary. Right. <laughs> I can't remember if it was the secretary. I can't remember like the ma- like the details of the entire story, but I do remember how horrified when they released that name. That's and so And refused up. to release their name. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we could go real deep into a rabbit hole about police right now <laughs> and and abuses of power um but i mean police are political but they are not career politicians at least so there's a little bit of a line between political sex scandals and sex scandals that happen in a slightly more political <laughs> area of our lives yeah i guess um but it really like the the power thing i think I don't know. I I have a really hard time sort of wrapping my brain around people who enter politics. You know, I, I don't think that every single person who goes into politics does it because they want to be powerful, but that's definitely part of the job. And I think a lot of people do go into politics because they want to be Oh, powerful, yeah. You know? And um, as someone who like, I don't know, it's power itself has never been much of a draw for me. Like I've, 
<clears throat> I, if you look at my life decisions, you will notice a distinct lack of desire for power. <laughs> um, so I think that- Or money. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just not into nice things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I, I feel like there's a, there's a certain personality type that is, you know, drawn to a position of power those types of people often end up in politics and those are people who kind of I don't know like they want it all you know they want to have they want the power they want the money they want the sex and I feel like those are kind of the big three things that humans gravitate towards yeah I mean like what do you gravitate I mean what why do people become rock stars like right as a trope in films it's like sex drugs and rock and roll you know yeah but ultimately uh what it is is you know power money sex right and I, they're all kind of like part of the same thing you know with power and money you can get sex um and like yeah i think that the fact that sex is one of the big three. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is a true thing. You know, sex yeah. is one of the big three and you are really allowed in our culture to blatantly go after money and blatantly go after power. And there's no problem with that. You're, it's, it's fine. Go ahead and do it if that's what you're into. But if you go blatantly after power, especially elected power, which means that a whole bunch of people had to decide that they liked you and they wanted to put you in that position and pay your salary with their taxes. Those people exist in the same society that you do. And that's a society that is extremely sexually repressed. Yeah. So if you want the power and the money and the sex, you're really only allowed to have the power and the money. Because once you start going after the sex, it becomes scandalous. Or once people realize you're going after the sex. Right. Because- like like you said, it is one of the big three. I mean, it's there. It's happening all around us, all the time. And the reason why we know that is, is because we could go through history all the way back to the beginning of time and see that that's one of the big three. Yeah. And, um, but the fact that we all have to like pretend that it's not in this country specifically. <laughs> right. And be like, whoa, yeah, they went for power and they went for money, but they, they, they can't go for sex. Like, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, it's there. I mean, you have to be realistic about that. And once you are open to like, okay, well, this is going to happen. Then it's a matter of um, trying to make sure that the people who you're putting into office aren't using any of those three things to harm other people right that that's the main thing I think for me yeah you know are people being hurt by this behavior if yes then that person needs to do the walk of shame maybe be you know cast out of office yeah the Um, same thing if they're abusing their power they mm -hmm. should be cast out of office if they are abusing uh, if they are like getting all of this money from like all of these different places that aren't extremely ethical then (laughs) if you're if they're getting their money from non-ethical sources then you have to like say something about it and people do but you know the sex that sells newspapers to date myself a little bit further (laughs) you know like like (laughs) It's the sex that makes headlines clickable, to put it in more modern terms. I understand how the internet works, people. I swear. <laughs> but you know, like, like the words "abuse of power." Okay, interesting, but eh, you know, as I'm scrolling through my social media feed, I may or may not click on that. Yeah. And the words, you know, like embezzling funds, eh, maybe whatever, or yeah. you know, big payout from corporate lobbyists, like that's just normal. I, yeah. it's not that salacious but if you see the word porn star or love nest you know or like you know sex scandal you're gonna click on that headline and I think that that's I mean that's a, a I don't know a symptom of a sexually repressed culture where we're like so 
we're so wound up about sex that that's the thing that's going to catch our attention every time because we don't get to talk about it enough. We don't get to see it enough. And when it comes up, we're so excited that even if it's not really a big st- a story, like nobody's really being hurt here, we still want to know about it. Right. 100%. I also think that we do not use the term sexcapades enough. <laughs> Hashtag bring back sexcapades. Yeah. Okay, so let's actually, let's talk about some sex scandals. Do you have any, like, super ancient ones that you can tell me about? Mm, no. Just kidding. Yeah. I did. <laughs> I did. Oh, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> you had one job, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, historical everything, so I'm, like, very excited about this. I know. I was super excited to, like, be a nerd about this. Um, so I mentioned the one earlier about, uh, Caligula went to a wedding and then left with the bride. (laughs) Yeah. And, but he basically stole her, married her, and then banished her to an island where she was forbidden to sleep with anyone ever again. Jesus Christ, why? It's basically what Prince Charles did to Diana, based Uh... on this series. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. That's not quite the same, but royals, they're all the same. (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. I mean, there were so many Caligula ones that I like don't want to keep going on and on about those ones. I feel like in some ways Caligula was kind of like the Donald Trump of ancient Rome. Like he just did so many scandalous things that people were just like, "Eh, whatever. I hadn't thought, of, now I have to go back and reread all of those, like, <laughs> in, like thinking about it in that context, because for reals, um, okay, the wife of Emperor Claudius and the mother of his son was known for her appetite for pleasure. Really? Yeah, and just Ooh. She bet the best Roman courtesan of her time that she could sleep with more men in one day than than she could. I thought you were going to say like a month. (laughs) And she she came out betting 25 men. Well, I mean, I guess if you're the wife of the emperor, you can line that up pretty fast. Like, you know, you like snap your fingers, tell somebody something and like, bam, you got 25 dudes. And then it's just a matter of how quickly... You can cycle yeah. through them. <laughs> like, I mean, I would argue that most women are like physically probably capable of doing such a thing, but actually arranging for it to happen would be much more difficult for like not an empress. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a challenge? I don't know. It might be. It might be. I'm not going to lie. I have, um, side note, <laughs> Totally, totally not related, but tangentially related. I think I might I, learn something new about you right now. I have done like multiple interviews and written like many, many pages about gangbangs. Mm-hmm. And because I like the logistics of setting up a gangbang are like mind boggling to me, especially if you're filming it, which is how I like came sort of up, upon this obsession of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was reviewing a porn DVD of a woman having sex with like some, you know, like 25 men or something. And the whole time I was just like, how are they orchestrating all of this? Like the, the backstage logistics seem really intense. So yeah. I started talking to people yeah. who do gangbangs on camera. <laughs> Organizing skills. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like, as it turns out, there's like a whole bunch of like, more or less conventions around this because you know in certain circles sex workers and particularly porn stars there's like you know it's like an accepted thing and there are ways that you make it happen that I just find so interesting <laughs> so but I know like as a comic uh, we are actually put on stage like in a specific order Usually, I mean, if the person is a really great organizer, he'll put people on stage, he'll be like, or they will be like, um, this person has really high energy. So I'm going to put them next to this person with like kind of medium energy and so that we could keep the flow of the show going. Yeah. So in like uh, a 
a gangbang, do they have to like make sure when they're filming it to put like certain people in certain places to keep the flow of the energy? They do. Like to keep people, yeah. They do. I I have talked to people in depth about this. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I could really derail this entire podcast because I do think it's so interesting. Like, because Mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing that most people don't stop to think about, but when you do, it's really like, wow, like it is a production. And yeah. uh, and it, particularly like the woman in the center, usually, you know, there's obviously like people backstage who are like helping things along, but she has to really be like, not only the center of attention, but also directing everyone around her to make sure that like things are going as optimally as possible. And it's like, it's hard work, man. I have, <laughs> from what I hear, you think anyone's ever hear, been like <laughs> totally freaked out and was like, no, you, then you. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you know, I bet. Oh, great. I, I bet I'm that it usually gets everybody hard again. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that that has happened like more than once. And I bet it usually gets edited out of the final product. So <laughs> you just don't see. <laughs> anyway okay so back to back to political sex scandals i'm i do wonder if claudius's wife and again we i don't know her name all i know is that she was the wife of claudius fucking um, jerks. um valeria valeria oh that's nice yeah i like that it's a good name um i wonder if it was like a gangbang situation where like people were like filing through or if she got like breaks in between or you know one-on-one situation like that's more than one an hour yeah that's a lot that would be an intense day i hope she got like snacks and hydration and stuff in between and i don't think that it actually said she whether or not she won oh she did she won that specific competition okay i wonder if that unto itself was an abuse of power though like if the courtesan had won what would have happened to her (laughs) she might have been like beheaded or something (laughs) (laughs) maybe she could have done way better but she was like you know what it's probably safer if i take a backseat on this (laughs) yeah hmm uh so i'm i'm telling you about like the girl wins because I mean, the the ones, the sex scandals with the men are like all like really, really scandalous. But I got really bored with reading male <laughs> sex scandals like after, I don't know, just a few of them. And I was like, where's all the women in this? Like, I want to yeah. know. Uh, and I know why that is. I know that like women, when they reach a power position, have fought their way to that spot and don't really want to do anything to like mess it up. And mm, so yeah. you don't really see them in um, a lot of sex scandals like yeah. this. But uh, one of them, Emperor Augustus found himself in a bind with his daughter, Julia. Uh, Augustus was a supporter of family values and oh. set out to make adultery illegal. In and- Rome. Yeah, (laughs) Julia complicated his political stance by frequently, like, indulging in, like, vices, including public instances of adultery. Oh, wow. He was so upset that he exiled her to an island. There's a lot of being exiled to islands here. Lots of islands around Rome, I guess. (laughs) With no men or wine. Oh, no. (laughs) And... The men that she did sleep with were either also exiled, probably to different islands, (laughs) or forced to kill themselves. Oh my god, wow. So that that brings up, like, a really interesting question, right? Like, I feel like, I don't know about, was that, did you say Augustine or Augustus? Augustus. Augustus, okay. I feel like... I don't know enough about him to make any judgments about whether he follows this uh, this tendency or not, but it does often seem like the people who are most vocal about family values are the ones who are doing the most scandalous shit. And I wonder if that was true of him or if he was like really actually trying to like walk the walk and that's why he got so mad <laughs> that Julia was behaving that way. <laughs> I don't know. 
Huh. I feel like ancient Rome. So I, I kind of know a little bit about ancient Rome because um, one of my friends does a podcast that is very much about ancient Rome and they really like get into family dynamics and politics and stuff. Um, and I know that ancient Rome is basically like the direct ancestor of America politically. And as far as like yeah. our empire making tendencies go, um, we modeled a lot of ourselves off of Rome. Um, our patriarchy is set up very much like Rome's patriarchy. Um, and our, our sexual behavior, I think, is also modeled a lot on Roman sexual behavior, which is to say that men can do whatever the fuck they want. And women have to walk an extremely narrow path and are devalued whether we're too sexual or not sexual enough. Um, so I think it's really interesting to hear about Roman sex scandals because like, I feel like in, in nature, they're very similar to the ones that we get going on here, but the consequences for Romans were way more severe. Like, <laughs> like we did not exile Bill Clinton to an island with no women or wine. <laughs> so that yeah. would have been kind of awesome. And I was just today learning about um, the Roman Empire colonizing the British Isles and so I was just thinking about the way that they went about doing that and how I would argue that America is like their direct descendant as far as colonizing, um, expanding empires and you know controlling people's behavior in order to expand the empire, um, using sexual and behavioral mores as a tool of colonization. And I think that we are still really, really suffering under the same fucking bullshit that the Romans were dealing with or that people being colonized by Romans were dealing with in like the, at the turn of the millennium, you know? Yeah. Like I bet the Gauls were hella polyamorous. And that was actually one of the <laughs> things that I learned that uh, the Gauls and the Celts and the Britons particularly were rumored in Rome to all just like sleep with each other all the time and like sleep with anybody that they wanted and basically like sharing wives amongst like the group yeah. and that was like that was a bad thing right but it was like yeah but they did that in Rome too like I just mean, polyamory <laughs> is like a worldwide thing like I come from a tribe that was poly from two tribes that were polyamorous where um in one of my tribes, the Crow tribe, uh, if, you know, a woman has single sisters, then it's up to her husband to help take care of those sisters, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you would have, you know, men with several wives, and it wasn't even like that big of a thing. There are even some where women and like women had multiple husbands, or even were like allowed to, I mean, like divorce wasn't even like that really that big of a thing. I read a lot of romance novels about natives. And so it's always funny to me when like they're talking about like the sanctity of like marriage among like tribal peoples, because even that was like, to a sense, the way that we think of it today was imposed on us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so like, the ideas of what could be a family or what could be like a couple or a, you know, a romance, you know, was entirely different than what we see it as now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, that's where the idea of scandal comes from, right? Like this person is doing something different than the way that I was told is the only way to do it. And that makes me feel weird inside. So yeah. I, I am going to write an article about it and put it on, you know, every news site and we're going to yeah. get that person in trouble because it made me feel squicky. But people were doing that like all the way from the beginning. Like I have several books here that are just like people writing home to their families or like writing in their journals about like these like native people, like some of these women just like sleep with whoever until they fall in love with someone and then like they're ruined you know or <laughs> don't they know they're ruined they're acting like they're not ruined <laughs> exactly <laughs> I'm confused 
Yeah, and some people are like writing about like the like sexuality of like the people that were over here because you know we didn't see it the same way that they did yeah all right well that wraps it up for this session but we have a lot more to talk about when it comes to political sex scandals so come back for our next episode where we're gonna we're gonna keep this conversation going yeah totally part two and um I still have so much more to say, so. It just keeps going. So much scandals. It's a scandalous, ongoing story. Yeah. All right. Come back next time, folks. Let our love be a flame, not an ember. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Ugh. It's here that I must be. My heart entreats. Just hear those savage beats. And go put on your cleats. And come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany. That's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire. Which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear drums. And I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love, sticking into your gums. Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash that you made with your lash as we dance to the masochism tango. Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain, then kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell, so darling if you smell something burning it's my heart. Excuse me. Take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder. Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre. Kiss tango.